Hey, hey, it's Mandy Kay and you are listening to the Find Your Calling podcast and I am so happy that you are tuning in with me today. Okay, <laughs> let's talk about burnout. Oh, <laughs> where do I begin? So I have had a really interesting journey over many, many years with burnout and I have had a more recent experience of it. And I thought that, you know, I'm always sharing what's happening as my journey is unfolding in the hope that it supports you as well. You know, this is something that I've seen in clients over the years as well. I look at my own life and I think, right, I'm a high achiever, type A personality. I know I've got big things to do here. I've got great capacity to do big things. And sometimes I forget that I'm also human with human <laughs> needs of rest, recuperation, you know, um, moving with the seasons more. Like, so let's just dive into this because I really, I, I've seen this with clients as well where they're like, I really don't like what I'm doing right now. I know that there's something more for me and I'm just going to focus on solving that problem and ignoring the fact that they're in complete and utter exhaustion from everything that they have been doing and living up until this point. And it hinders the process of really unfolding into our greatest potential. And I think that this is a really great big unlearning for all of us in the Western world. We've been conditioned and we've been trained to push through. Like hustle culture is a real culture here and we are taught to really not honour our bodies, our needs. We're taught to override our feelings. Like we are, we are butting up against really big, a lot of conditioning and watching parents who did it as well. So, yeah. Now, what is it like? So technically, what is burnout? I guess we all have our own definition of it. But when I conferred with the internet, <laughs> it said it's a state of emotional, physical and mental exhaustion caused by prolonged stress and overwork. And that results in us feeling super depleted, disillusioned and detached from our work and our goals and possibly our lives. And like I've said, I'm vulnerable to burnout. It started from having an earlier experience with chronic illness. I got chronic fatigue syndrome after a bout of glandular fever when I was 15 years old. It was undiagnosed. We didn't know what was happening. I was always dismissed as a child who was a vegetarian and that was, you know, they were always just like, you've just got low iron. And yeah, <laughs> it took quite some time to realize that I had chronic fatigue syndrome, which back then, like that was in the 90s. It was not as well known. It was, yeah, just not as easily identified by medical practitioners. And I had it for about seven years and I was exhausted, like I, some days I would be so tired, I couldn't feed myself, I couldn't stand up in the shower, I couldn't wash my hair, I had chronic headaches, huge muscle pain, and just utter 
utter fatigue. I was so supported by my school, actually. You know, year 12 is always so relentless. And there was like a little room with a, like a little bed in it. I guess it was the sick bay room of the the school. And I could go and have a sleep during the day if I needed it. But yeah, this went on for many, many years. And, you know, it's, it's made me aware that I need to be really in tune with my body. I'm so well now in comparison to that, like to the point where I forget it. And there was a moment after working in the flood recovery effort and then going into the Commonwealth Games job, which were huge, huge stresses, like the the relentlessness and the, the enormity of those roles. It took their toll and it was a doctor who sort of said, well, if you've had chronic fatigue syndrome, you should be really careful because you're at risk of it coming back. And it kind of shocked me to go, okay, I have to be really aware of this. And yet, you know, how often do we know what's good for us and yet ignore it? (laughs) Like, I am not immune to this, people. (laughs) So (laughs) what's happened lately is I delivered my four free workshops over a week and completely underestimated just how much it would take it out of me. I was completely clueless, really. I've watched multiple coaches deliver masterclasses and workshop series and then just run straight into running paid programs. And I was just like, of course, that's exactly what I will do. I can do that. and. We talked about it in the last episode, the impact emotionally it had on me as I butted up against some limiting beliefs and some stuff for healing. So I acknowledge the the toll that the emotional aspect took on me. And I think that, you know, if you're in a situation which is taking an emotional, is having an emotional impact on you, don't underestimate how much that's going to affect you physically as well. So, <laughs> yeah, I underestimated that I had planned to deliver my next paid program, Be Brave, this week. (laughs) And now I'm just like, that was so ludicrous. (laughs) Because at the time, uh, at the same time, I'm managing a fundraising campaign for the charity that I love and adore, Sprung Integrated Dance Theatre. And yeah, I was like, I don't know what I was thinking, really. And yet, One thing that I have recognized now is I really do not have the ability to push myself through when my body is just telling me that I have to stop. It's just like my entire body and soul and heart are just saying no to the hustle. (laughs) They just, I can't push myself anymore. And I was so grateful. I had a mentor who I was chatting to after the workshops and I was acknowledging how my creativity had completely dried up. You know, if you follow me on social media, you may have noticed or maybe not, like I just was not posting as much. I couldn't think of anything to write. It was like I it was like I felt like a dried up, shriveled sultana, one that had been like left in the jar at the back of the pantry for, you know, way too long and all of its juice had just been like sucked out of it and it was just this dried up, shriveled little sultana. And there was no juice left. I couldn't think of anything to say or to write. I didn't do my podcast that week. I just, I couldn't. I didn't know what to say. And thankfully, this mentor 
very astute, was like, I think you're just utterly exhausted. And as soon as she said it, I was like, oh my God, you're just so right. Like there's nothing absolutely wrong with me right now. I'm not in some emotional resistance or self-sabotage. I'm literally just fucking exhausted. (laughs) And I think that's one of the risks that we make, particularly if we're committed to our personal development and self-help. Sometimes you can think, okay, yeah, I'm in self-sabotage here. Something's going really wrong where all you need is a freaking rest. And so this mentor and I worked together in a session to identify that actually it would just work better if I delay my paid program, which I have. Be Brave now starts at the end of July. And you, as a result of that, if you're interested, there is a monthly installment plan. You do need to sign up for that by Thursday afternoon Australian time. So it's a very short turnaround from when this podcast go live, goes live. But yeah, there's a longer length of time so I can offer a monthly installment plan. And oh my God, every part of my whole being is just exhales and relaxes and feels so much more at ease having more time because It's not only the delivery of a program, it's the marketing of it. There's just a whole lot of other work that goes on behind the scenes to make stuff happen. And I don't have to do it now. I'm just like, this is fucking awesome. (laughs) And like, how often do we create these deadlines on ourselves about what we need to do at a certain time? And are they really useful to us? Like I fall into this trap, obviously, I'm still falling into this trap of feeling like I need to go at a pace that I don't need to. And I think this is the great unlearning for us, because when you look at society, like it is just pummeling forward at such a an exorbitant pace and look at the result of it, you know, more than ever, people are struggling with their mental health, with exhaustion. We are moving forwards at a rate of rapid decline and destruction of our planet. And it just came to me, you know, the the mirroring of what's occurring for us internally to what's happening externally. Like we are just depleting ourselves with the pace at which we are operating in our lives. And What choices can you be making that will be more supportive, more nourishing and kinder to yourself? Because I do believe that we, you know, this restoration of everything that's occurring in this world, it has to start in our own lives as well as the actions that we take externally to create new and better ways of living. But we have to be working that out for ourselves as well. Like it's got to start with us and our lives and how we treat ourselves and, you know, what's what's standing in the way of your deepest love and connection to yourself and your soul and everything that's beautiful about you. And so often when we are ignoring the signals that we are give, being given about our need for rest and relaxation and fun and balance, we are holding ourselves away from true and deep abiding connection to 
that inner being and our souls and our hearts. Yeah, and then look at what happens in the world when we operate from that place. You know, people who are connected to their hearts and to their inner spirits are moving in the world in a very different way, moving with less impact or at least less negative impact and more positive impact. So if you are in a place where you are searching in your life for what's next and you're thinking, I've got to find what what that next thing is and then I will be happy, but you're ignoring the signals that you're getting around burnout, fatigue, relentless exhaustion, stress, then my invitation to you is to dive into that first because your soul is calling you to your greatest potential, to your highest calling. Like it's it's all there, but there's going to be a healing journey in that process if you're in a chronic stress and fatigue and emotional exhaustion. If we are going to just continue Ah, that relentless demand, high workload, like the the demands particularly on the sectors that are caring the most is something I really do care deeply about because we are, you know, I've worked in the charity sector and that was another part where I really got to see it when I worked for uh, Sprung, a small or medium-sized charity at rapid growth stage and our systems and processes hadn't caught up with the level of growth occurring in the organization and we we're all under-resourced and stressed and I was working as the acting executive director at the beginning of COVID and then I didn't want to stay in that role. I knew that my heart was calling me back to this work but I stayed on as the operations director when they hired a new executive director. This was while I was overseas and during the whole COVID thing. And wow, like the stress we're all under. And there was a point in 2021 where one of my staff members had gone off on stress leave and I'm really happy that she really honoured what she needed and was 100% supportive of her doing that. But the reality was, was that she was my key staff member and so all of what she was managing fell onto me and it doesn't surprise me by the end of that week I got COVID. (laughs) For a lot of people I was the first person in Australia that they knew who'd gotten COVID and it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't shock me at all. It was like I was so stressed and so anxious that week with everything that we were managing And with one less staff member and like how across the board is this? If you've worked in the charity sector, I know the university sector as well is another sector that's completely under pressure. The art sector, it's like these sectors that give so much education sector, like (laughs) I know teachers who are just bearing so much and being asked to do so much on so little and we get sick as a result and I got sick and it was one of those earlier versions of COVID that I was super sick. I was in bed for two whole weeks, 
with just feeling completely wretched and I dragged myself back to work as soon as I was able to sit up basically because we had grant applications due, we had an NDIS audit to do. It was just like the pace had not the pace hadn't disappeared and so I went back and I did what I could to get us through that period. And but as soon as that period was over, my boss asked me how I was going and I was so worn out. I just cried. I was just like, I am not coping. My brain fog was still, it was daily. My whole brain just was clouded and I'd get this kind of like vertigo feeling. And I was just like, I'm just not coping. I think I need more time off. I'm not feeling well. And we were at that point still trying to manage to get back to Australia. So that, you know, acknowledge and honour what other stresses are occurring in your life. I think in the Western world, we've been taught to isolate our work life and our personal life, but it's just bullshit. Like whatever's actually happening in your personal life is affecting you and and that will impact you at work and vice versa. Like it, there is no untangling that impact and yeah, we were managing trying to get back to Australia. We were moving out of an apartment because our flights had been finally booked and yet they'd gotten cancelled. It was a fairly common experience. It was very hard for Australians to get back into Australia during that time. And we were trying to get a a government-funded flight, but they were very competitive and we weren't getting them. And so we were just having to make some really key decisions like do we move out of our apartment or not? And what do we do? And so all of that was kind of like also around and yeah. And in this conversation, I just admitted I'm actually just really not coping. And I think that I really just invite you to be willing to be real with the people that you are with, the people that you work with. I don't know about your workplace, but I know that I don't want to work anywhere where I can't actually be human, where I can't be my real self. I want to be in places where I can just be fucking real. (laughs) I don't want to have to try and pretend in order to make sure I get ahead or whatever. I just don't play those games in my life. And so, yeah, with this manager, she was beautifully supportive and she said to me, well, you know, what what do you need? And I said, I think I need some more time off. And she said, well, how much time do you want? <laughs> and I think she like had a freaking mini heart attack. I could see it on her face when I said, I'd like to have all the time off until I get back to Australia, which at that point was six weeks. I said, I think that just would be the best thing for me because then I can just concentrate on packing up and getting back and... <laughs> And I could see this like face on her. And then to her credit, she was like, okay, you know, you've given a lot and we'll support you. It ended up being eight weeks off because, well, our flight got cancelled. I did go back to work before because we ended up moving to Spain because I also just couldn't cope with the cold weather again. (laughs) I was like, I just need some warm weather. So we went to Spain for a month and I did go back to work, you know, but I had like a whole six or eight weeks off and it was the best thing I needed. I can't even imagine how I would have like packed and done everything 
while also trying to manage a very high stressed role. And yeah, I think I know that a lot of people will say, I'm not going to take time off because of the impact on other people. And one of the things that I think in the charity sector in particular, just because that's been my experience is that, you know, a workplace will never know the true impact or true resource levels that is required if everybody keeps ignoring their needs and working overtime and not taking time off. Like burnout culture is just so real in those under-resourced sectors and we need systemic change, but in, in those circumstances, I would encourage you to wherever possible take your sick leave, take your annual leave, really honour and respect the fact that you deserve to have time off and you deserve to really look after yourself. I have a really beautiful morning routine. It's like my anchor of my life and it has been, I think, since my recovery journey from an eating disorder. And so I take a, a lot of time in the morning to meditate and drink my tea and to journal and just kind of keep the real world shut out for as long as possible. Like I don't start work until generally like 10 o'clock in the morning, maybe 11, (laughs) you know, and that's just how long it takes for me to really feel prepared for the day. And, and I have you know, taken on roles where there has been flexibility as far as the time that I start. And I am shocked when I hear people say that they roll out of bed and the first thing they do is check their work emails. I'm like, that would fry my nervous system. And I wonder what is the long-term impact of things like that where you're not giving yourself any time or space to really just be to gently come into balance at the beginning of the day before going into like a relentlessly stressful paced life. Like it, it seems counterintuitive. I know because when you're in that really like hyper focused stressed space, which I definitely was when I worked for the Commonwealth Games and I just, I found it very, very hard to switch off and I had to really force myself to have any kind of, you know, I think my morning routine definitely got a lot, lot shorter because, yeah, the pace was just so big. I was working very, very long days in the last few months there. But, you know, it seems counterintuitive to think, oh, I've got to just keep working because I've got all this work to do. And yet what that does is it just erodes your ultimate capacity to live in a balanced, beautiful, whole, fun, <laughs> joyful way <laughs> and you ultimately crash and burn. So this is, you know, I wanted to talk about this because I thought you're listening to this podcast because you are searching for more purpose, you want more meaning in your life, you want to feel like you're fulfilling your potential and really making an impact and yet if you are suffering from burnout, you're just naturally going to suffer from a lack of clarity. It's hard to feel clear about what your next steps are when you're just fucking exhausted and that was exactly the point that I found myself in right 
after those workshops was couldn't even think of what to post. I had no clarity. And you'll also generally feel a lack of motivation and it can impact your self-confidence because you're just feeling so depleted. And like I said, I had that impact on my creativity. And, you know, when you're when you're searching for what's next, when you're really wanting to connect to what, it, what you're being called to, this is where you do want to be connected to feeling motivated and feeling creative and inspired and confident and really excited for what's next for you. If you are experiencing burnout, then you're just naturally not going to be able to access those things. And so the, the thing to tend to is what do you actually need? What level of self-care and changes do you need to be making in order to start to actually physically and emotionally and mentally feel better? And, you know, and that's where it's got to start. And so I made the change just recently about the change in my program. I then just, I just gave myself some time off and I just binge watched Alone Australia <laughs> and had more time walking in nature and and now I'm on a road trip and I've traveled down to be with my love and we're taking time off. I'm actually recording this days ahead of when it's scheduled to be released, which I never do. I'm normally doing this on the day, but when this releases, we would have just spent the entire day at the Peninsula Hot Springs and I can't wait. So yeah, this is your invitation to rest, recharge and seek support, whatever support you need, whatever you need to actually start to relax and enjoy your life and really look after yourself, like prioritize it. And and then the emergence of clarity and creativity and a sense of purpose and meaning will emerge from a place where you are actually feeling more filled up and less depleted. There's a really beautiful woman who I follow on Instagram, Trisha Hersey, called The Nap Ministry. She's written a book called Rest is Resistance. I've not read the book yet, but really I've listened to a podcast interview with her and follow her on Instagram. She's really talking about how rest is actually resistance and activism against this capitalist white supremacist patriarchal society and so I'll put her into the show notes and yeah I'm going to be just continuing to work on finding my way through finding a way to work and to live that just feels deeply nourishing and I will continue to learn and evolve through this and maybe I'll make similar mistakes and then I will make different choices. You know, I, I'm totally okay with being a work in progress on this. But yeah, if you're also feeling this, hit me back. I'd love to hear what your own journey with this, you know, what's really resonating with you. And if you feel like that somebody else needs to hear this, send them and share this podcast episode with them. Like, Let's start a rest revolution. Let's undo this freaking hustle culture. I know that we've all got, you know, such burning desire to see difference in the world, but we've got to be looking after ourselves through the process. We can't be doing this from a burnt out place. And yeah, I love you. Look after yourself. And I'm going to take some time off this week. <laughs> all right. Bye.